Well, hey, everybody. This is episode number 38, The Urban Hunter. You're listening to the Wilderness Tamer podcast, and thank you so much for tuning in. My guest this week is Joshua Phillips. He is an outdoorsman out of the state of Virginia who takes full advantage of his landscape and hunts white-tailed deer in residential neighborhoods. And he also goes after sick of deer and even chases elk in Colorado. So we get into just about everything in between those topics and even a little bit more. But before I let y'all go, let me give a quick shout out to the sponsors. First off is Dry Pocket Apparel. They are the future of swimwear. They come with an integrated dry bag as a pocket with a self-sealing magnetic strip that is certified to go 100 feet down. And it will keep your phone dry as a bone. So go check them out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and as well as drypocketapparel.com. Now, to save you some money, use promo code all caps wilderness to get you 25% off your order. Now, my other sponsor is Nomad Outdoors. They have great clothing and camo options to keep you out all day taming your wilderness. So go check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and as well as nomadoutdoors.com. So thanks again to Joshua for taking the time, and thank y'all for listening. Y'all, the numbers are growing very well. I'm surprised, and the daily hits I get for just shows, y'all are listening, and I appreciate it, and that's all I can say. So y'all go enjoy this episode, and y'all have a good rest of y'all's week, and enjoy y'all's weekend. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode number 38, Urban Hunter. You're listening to the Wilderness Tamer podcast, and welcome, Josh, to the podcast. So how you doing? Oh, you know, damn paradise again. I heard that, heard that. Well, if you want to, introduce yourself real quick, and then we'll kind of get into it. My name is Josh Phillips. I live in uh, Northern Virginia, born and raised in Maryland. Uh, most of my hunting I do is urban hunting here in Virginia. We've got a, uh, just a very large amount of deer uh, here, so it's, just, it's way overpopulated. Mm-hmm. I do go out to Maryland and do stick deer hunting, which is what I grew up doing. In Colorado, elk hunting. Uh, I also do some traveling out to Germany. My wife is German. So we go out there and I do some uh, target shooting out there as well. Oh, and, cool. <laughs> uh, so more, more recently in the past probably seven, eight years, I've been doing traditional archery uh, primarily. Mm-hmm. And I still hunt with the compound sometimes, but you know, I, I, I'm really my heart's on uh, traditional archery as it is. Uh, I heard that. That's why I made the jump last turkey season and I hadn't looked back since, which I don't even own a yeah, compound now. So I kind of just <laughs> jumped in and devoted my whole heart to it. <laughs> Oh yeah, if I if I could sell my compound right now, I would. But uh, some of these properties that we hunt in uh, Northern Virginia, urban properties, they they only allow quote unquote uh, modern equipment, which is crossbow compounds. Yeah, a little more precision. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel I feel comfortable with most of my shots. As I mean, I'd say majority of my shooting uh, on these deer out here has <clears> been probably an average of fourteen yards or less. Oh yeah, yeah that's my, about my, average shot bow hunting. What's the yeah? I said that's about your average shot for bow hunting. That's pretty close. Oh yeah, that's great. I mean, look at these these shoots. We got to qualify. I shoot twenty and thirty yards, and my longest shot on deer was twenty eight yards. Oh yeah. You know, and I I keep them as close as possible. My closest was uh, five feet. Oh, <laughs> I am under it then at that point. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, I was up in the trees. I was about twenty five feet up, so I had to I had to split the shoulder blades on that one. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Heck yeah. So how's your current season going? Have you got any good deer down yet? Uh, no, you know, honestly, 
I haven't got any like really good bucks down. I mean, I killed that one. I mean, it's not a big buck with my longbow. I've killed a few deer this year. I haven't gotten out as much as I want to because of work and other things, you know, life. Yeah, I know now. the feeling. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I mean, for me personally, I mean, hunting wise, I'm not really looking for big bucks. I just hunt personally. I mean, I mean, I know other people that that you know, if that's what they want to do. They want to hunt big bucks. That's the thing. Cool. You know, mm-hmm. whatever they want to do. But me, if a big buck comes by, that's just a bonus to me. Oh, yeah. That's that, how that I am. Yeah, I mean, that, that buck ended up shooting this year. I mean, like I said, he was a younger buck. I was happy with it. <laughs> hey, whatever yeah. the woods gives you, I'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, with uh, my uh, my Black Canyon longbow that I have, that's the first year I took with that bow. And I was, I mean, he came in and I said, nope, yep, you're getting it. So, <laughs> that's, and that was a that's you know, crazy. So you say you started shooting trad. When uh, what kind of got you the bug? Either was your dad shooting, or did you just decide to take on a little bit more of a challenge? No, honestly, that was something I've always really wanted to do. Now, I remember my uh, being a kid, my dad would take me and my brother. I, I, I'm actually one of six kids, and uh, my Ooh, uh, one, one of my brothers, <laughs> one of my three brothers, um, he this one particular, he's ten months older than me, Jake. He would take both of us because we both got hunting around the same time, like around 11, 10, 11, 12 years old. So we got a license. Mm-hmm. He would take us to the uh, youth events, outdoor youth events, where they had anything from trapping, goose calling, you know, fur trade, anything. Yeah. And one of the weekends that we went, they had some archery stuff set up. They had little youth compounds and a couple little fiberglass longbows. Well, all the kids would line up for the compound. And I'm like, screw that. I mean, those kids are shooting those, uh, I'm not waiting in line. I'm going to shoot that longer like an Indian. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I walked up the line. I picked the arrow up and I looked at the target. And, oh, yeah, I'm getting bullseye right here. And I shot probably 10 feet off the target. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I shoot a shot a couple more times. And now I'm kind of getting discouraged with all the other kids. You know, they're laughing, high five, and they're hitting the target with the compound. And that's when I put, I put it down right there and I went and shot the compound a couple times. And from there, progressed. I mean, I, I shot a compound for years. And like I said earlier, I still shoot a compound yeah. sometimes. I would, too. Um, I just got burned out. I shot a lot of tournament archery growing up. And just once I got into college, I just kind of sold all my stuff and got out of it, actually, for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not necessarily that I really got burned out. It was more and more that I'm, like, the best shooter in the whole world by any means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can tell you that right now. I am not best. Yeah, but, uh, I understand. It was, I wasn't getting what I wanted out of it, you know, hunting-wise. Yeah. Now, I'd shoot here, you know, I, I knew where I was going to hit it. I mean, it's just, you put the pin on there, you shoot, and deer goes down. It's, it was kind of automatic at that point. Mm-hmm. I didn't, and I, I got bored of that. And yeah. not, I mean, it's not like I got excited. I still get excited, but it wasn't, you don't get the same interaction as you do with a traditional bow. You really got to put the work into it. Oh, yeah. You got to know where that animal's going to put its foot. You gotta get them oh, yeah. close, close. With, with compound, four cross though, I mean, I mean, mind you, there are guys who can shoot really well with a traditional bow, but with a compound and a crossbow, I mean, there really isn't as much practice that, that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I mean, if someone shoots compound, shoots crossbow, yeah, I don't need to do it. Yeah, you know, whatever you gotta do to get out there and hunt, I'm fine with. Now, I mean, just to show my brother-in-law, he just got him a bow. Never, he never really got into it. And he was out in his yard shooting 80 yards the other day. He was texting me. I was like, damn, it just shows you where technology is at nowadays. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they got range finding sites, you name it. I mean, yes, especially that one new, what's that? 
that new range finder but i think it's vortex that has like the archer's parallax or whatever they call it where it can tell whether it's going to hit something or not it'll show you mm-hmm. the trajectory of the arrow oh yeah i mean that's intense yeah even have like GPS coordinates of where where the animal is standing or where the arrow is. Yes, I, I guess I have seen those like those little uh, iPhone tile chips you could put in your arrow. Yeah, I mean it's just crazy stuff of what what it is now. I mean, that, and, and uh, some of the stuff is cool, I guess, but I mean it really takes away from woodsmanship, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I mean th- that also you can't take away from people who, who don't have a whole lot of time on their hands to do what they maybe want to do. That's like my true brother too. Billy, my, my brother Billy, for example, he has a few recurves, and he would love to shoot them more. I know that for a fact, but he just doesn't have time. He's got, uh, he's working for our family's landscaping company. Um, he has his own little side business he's doing. Plus he's got all the little farm projects. He's coming around his house. I know that he's on his own podcast. Uh, oh, cool! Yeah, you know what's so funny? He sounds just like me because I work on a family farm too. I manage a wedding venue. Oh, do you really? Yeah. <laughs> or just a personal farm, and then, like they got some animals, that kind of stuff. They had horses, but they oh, cool. Else yeah, we got a couple but, uh, horses on the property. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it goes with that. He just doesn't have the time to, you know, pick up the bow and go shoot every day. And that's what I was fortunate enough. I don't live far from the farm, so I was able to go home at lunch and I'd shoot on my lunch break during turkey season, like literally every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of how I am. I mean, I can run for, I do HVAC. So I can run from work, I deal with kids, you know, with wife, cooking dinner, that kind of stuff. I don't have a whole lot of time during the day when I get home mm-hmm. to shoot. So I shoot a lot at night in my basement. I got all of 12 yards to shoot. <laughs> hey, that's all you and, need, though. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but when you're first getting into it, you don't want to tell your wife about the holes you put in the wall, though. Yeah, just take some plaster putty and t- just pin- just stick a little bit in there at a time. Keep a jug down me. there. I hope my wife doesn't have to listen to that because I definitely had to cover some holes up. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. So, starting out, what kind of broadheads and what poundage were you shooting and all that? Uh, with compound, uh, for years I was shooting uh, uh, muzzy, just the basic muzzy three blades. I mean, they've mm-hmm. killed tons and tons of people. Yeah, you can't go wrong yeah. with muzzy. No, I mean, and I switched to slick tricks after that, mainly because durability. Mm-hmm. Muzzies, while they're great, you know, they, they kill, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've been around for eons. The aluminum ferrules and the really thin blade, I, I, I couldn't. It seemed like they were a one-shot deal for me every time I shot deer. Mm-hmm. So I flipped, flipped the slick tricks, and uh, and those just seemed to work a lot better. I was able to resharpen the blades you know, fairly easily. They're a little easier to put together, honestly. So are they a mechanical or a, uh, expandable? Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big blade guy. Okay, I good. I, I, I did a mechanical one time, and I'll never do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was my fault, too. I just kind of threw it on there on, on, on my quiver and never shot it before. Mm-hmm. So I filled a deer, but I got it was virtually no blood. I mean, it was, um, well, it was a gut shot. You're not getting really blood out of that, out of that anyways. But with that gut shot, that broad that got completely destroyed. I lost the blade off, but the barrel got bent. Damn. I'm like, well, that's not. I mean, I'm not. I don't, I don't even ask what kind of was. It was years ago. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> good. You're good. <laughs> And that's, I was just curious because I used to shoot the Montec G5s myself, and that's all I've ever shot, and they do pretty good. Yeah, no, they're, they're great broadheads, and they've been been around for quite some time too. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, now with my longbow, I'm shooting, like I said, I have the, the custom Black Canyon takedown. And that one, I, it's 52 pounds at my draw length. Well, 28. I think, I think my strong is a little farther than 28. Mm-hmm. But I'm shooting a Simmons broadhead. They got the Simmons uh, Safari and also the, the Great Whites, which aren't on the website right now. But, uh, are those like the look like the battle axe broadheads where they're really wide? Yeah, those are the really wide ones. The, yeah, uh, I've been wanting to get some for turkey hunting or something like that. Uh, uh, well, the, the, the safari one, the ones that I use right now, they're inch and five eighths wide, and I tell you what, that's been sort of wild. Get a shot this year. And, <laughs> I know uh, that'll uh, open animal. them up. Oh my god, it's a, it truly is like throwing an axe for an animal. Damn. So it, I I shot that one, and like you said, the the broadhead on that particular model was inch and five eighths, but the entrance wound was every bit of three inches wide. Wow. So I can only imagine what the, the other model they have, which is the Great White, which is their biggest model, is two and a quarter inches wide. I can only imagine what that's going to do to something. Is it, so you said that ain't available yet? That That's not available on their website, but mm-hmm. I, I, I called Dave, uh, the owner of the company, and he, he was able to send me to. But mm-hmm. they have uh, their tree shark, which is, I believe two and an eighth inches wide or two and a sixteenth inches wide. Still, it's so ridiculously huge. Yeah. And, and those, I mean, you see the pictures of those, but they do here. It's just absolutely, I mean, it's in some ways disturbing. <laughs> but I mean, you put the deer down fast. And that's all I can, especially in these suburban properties. We need to put deer down fast. Yeah. That's what, if you want to, we can kind of segue into that. So, absolutely. urban hunting, how is it, a little, how is it different from like normal hunting public land where you get out of your truck and you just walk into the woods? Is it kind of the same thing? Like you just find patches or you just stand you know, at a crossing and wait for one to hit the road or something? something. <laughs> in, in a way, it kind of came to be the same, but it's not at the same time. It, it's, it's a weird juxtaposition to that. So, with suburban hunting, obviously we're looking for areas that are wooded neighborhoods, essentially. Uh-huh. But a lot of times in the neighborhoods, you're not on, not getting just the property owners who take deer and they want them all gone because they're eating their flowers. You know, you'll get yeah. the anti You'll get people who are yeah, neutral. Some people that are also hunters that don't want you in their area. You know, mm-hmm. so sometimes you got to battle. You got to battle that out. But then again, the difference also is property size. So a lot of the properties that we hunt might be anywhere from a quarter acre, half acre. Some are a little more than an acre or two, up to five acres. I think the biggest one that I've hunted on is forty acres. That's a, it's like a credit union or whatever it is. Dang. I don't hunt there that much. Though. Um, but some of the best properties are the small ones because they're just natural pinch points. Mm-hmm. Look on Topo Map, you just look how the woods are laid out in comparison to the houses and the highways, and you know you can see pretty much where the deer are going to be traveling through. Oh, I guarantee I mean, it. And they're probably so used not, to humans, you can probably just about walk up to them, just kind of hold your bow down. I guess I'm just speculating. Um, <laughs> It's funny that sometimes you get out of your car. I mean, I, I, I don't even truck. I, I have a Chevy Malibu, and I just stuffed you in the trunk. Um, <laughs> heard that. You, find that <laughs> hey, I got a neighbor that did that. He borrowed his sister's car and stuffed it. Man, it looked like he killed somebody in there. It was it was bad. <laughs> yeah, I had my wife's car one time. I did that, and I was, I was like, "I'm sorry, I got to see your car out." Like two or three years in the back of the car. Oh God, sell as <laughs> is. <laughs> so, so, I mean, with that, I mean, like I said, you got. All these properties that are, I mean, some, and sometimes you get little clusters of properties. It might be like like four or five little quarter acre lots, which mm-hmm. makes it a lot easier. But if you have one property and then on each side of the property you have anti-hunters, you really got to be careful 
on where you're shooting, that's where it actually makes it tough. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and and I say that because people look at all these metropolitan areas that have tons and tons of deer as being easy hunting. You walk up to them and just shoot them. But you got to worry about where they're going to go. Yes, that is true. Now, that, that's the big thing. Yeah, you don't want them dying that, in someone's driveway for sure. Oh, that's happened. I mean, I, I was, this is before I became uh, part of this uh, urban program where it's lowering the population of deer. Before I became a member, somebody, the story is somebody shot a deer and the deer ran uphill into this guy's yard and fell dead in their pool. And that person happened to be an anti hunter. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine what happened with that. Uh, well, I mean, with like, police came out, game wardens came out. The, the hunter himself, he had all of his legal license, everything he had was legal. And uh, by the end of it, the anti-hunter and the hunter, they end up, actually end up shaking hands. You know, they said, he said, no, we'll, I'll pump the pool out, I'll paper everything, pump it out, clean it out, and uh, whatnot. And um, they end up shaking hands and part ways. And the, the anti-hunter said, you know, I don't agree anything with what you're doing. He said, but I will allow you to track and retrieve off the property. But you're not hunting on the property. Hey, at least they're so, understanding, uh, though. Yeah. Which what we need to do is take them some meat back and let them try it if they eat it, which most people are probably vegan. They don't like hunting. Yeah, I mean, well, we're right. We have a lot of those. I mean, you get some people screaming at you. And honestly, sometimes it actually helps in your favor when you get so many people who don't like hunters. They <laughs> see you coming in. Yeah. Because you have people beating on pots and pans that we have down the road and they push the deer right, right your way. Awesome. That is freaking awesome. <laughs> I mean, they, they don't know, but they're, uh, they're beating their foot on a deer draft for you, which is great. <laughs> That's cool. Um, now, I, on that I, property, I take it, do y'all, what do you, y'all use, like a lock-on, tree saddle? Have you have y'all made that jump yet? It, it depends on the property. Some some, some owners uh, will allow you to have a permanent stand on, on site. Oh, cool. Some don't. Uh, typically, most of the properties when I go to, I just take my saddle. I've been using the saddle for a little over 10 years now, I think. Really? And, uh, that's, yeah, yeah. I, I have an old trophy line for years, the old one. I think Turtle and I, I don't think they went out of business or something like that, and they came back. Mm-hmm. And uh, the old one that they had, it was just a huge saddle. I mean, that, it worked. You know, I they used that thing for years. And uh, I used to use a climber. I think it was like 30 pounds. Yes, <laughs> that's why I, old Walmart climbers, what I used to use, and we would go home public land, and man, it just wear your ass out. Now I use a Millennium oh. Lock-On. But oh, I got a you bunch of buddies that are hunting in a saddle, and I hadn't tried it out yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you're going to need to take the jump. It's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, I mean mind you, you're not going to be as comfortable, in my opinion. You know, other people might argue the fact that you're not, not going to be as comfortable sitting all day long as you would be maybe a regular climber where you could sit down. But now I'm comfortable enough. I just lean back and shoot. You know? Yeah, that's and, another thing, too. I was curious with uh, shooting a stick bow if you can get enough clearance because I'm shooting a Montana longbow. And uh, I mean, I'm 6'4, too, so I'm a bigger guy. So I just want to make sure. Everything would reach yeah, out and all that. It really all depends on the tree you're in, too. you got to make sure you are you have enough clearance in there as well. I mean, if you're in pretty much a telephone pole, you're going to have the clearance. Okay. But I, I always, personally, I try to make sure I'm tucked into small trees. Mm-hmm. My, my personal favorite is finding like a cluster of trees. There's one, our, our favorite one, our, oh, sorry. You're good. <laughs> one of our favorite we hunt on, uh, we, we call it the meat factory because there's so many deer there. Hell yeah! <laughs> if, you go there, if, if, you, if you don't see fifteen deer or more, you're having a bad day. I'll just say that. Jesus. And my favorite trees to go into are these persimmon clusters, 
that are growing in the middle of this butterfly meadow. The guy hates the deer. So, and these trees, they grow in these little small clusters, like five trees, and I just get right in the middle of them. And I only take two sticks up a lot of times, and the deer walk right under the trees, and they have no idea you're there. That's cool. Obviously, when these fall off, they can see you look like a big blob in the tree. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I've gotten in the trees, like holly trees, or tucked up next to a holly tree with one stick and shot deer. Now, it's all a matter. I, I, I try to back myself up to cover as best mm-hmm. as I can. If I can, you know, I'll try to get up a little higher. It all depends on the situation. Yeah, that's but how it is down here, I, how, I, how the ground vegetation is. Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on, for, I mean, for me getting in a tree, it all depends on uh, where I'm at. If, if it's a smaller tree and i got a lot of shrub around me, I'll take hand pruners with me and trim around myself and make room so I can draw my bow. Whether it's a compound or a long bow, you know? Yeah. But but you absolutely do have, there's plenty of players. I mean, using a saddle alone, it's a learning curve just doing that alone. And then doing it from a compound and then using a long bow out of it or any traditional bow, it's a different learning curve. Mm-hmm. You, you can't hold the bow like you can a compound, obviously. Yeah. Well, I mean, it looks from just looking from the outside in, it looks like you're swapping out a little bit of weight, but you're carrying a lot more gadgets to lose as you're walking to the stand. Because I went hunting yeah. with some buddies in the beginning of the bow season, and they looked like they were yeah, going to climb a mountain. <laughs> and I'll say this, uh, when it comes to carrying all the gadgets, you want to get a good pack. Yeah. You know, that would tie all your stick to. You know, because for the longest time, I just had uh, four Lomo sticks. You know, the big bulky four-footers. Uh-huh. I got and, the Gorilla stick you know, from Walmart still. Yeah, I mean, the ones I, I still have, I don't use them anymore because I got the tethered one sticks, which mm-hmm. weighed nothing. That's what I'm trying. Um, I'm gonna upgrade next year. I'm getting something. Oh yeah, those. those I mean, mind you, they're only two. They're two steps, but I don't need to get any higher than that. I can get. I can get myself up to about eighteen, twenty feet, and that's plenty high enough for me. Oh, yeah. I don't need to be twenty-five. You know. Yeah. And with, with these here, and it's not like they're stupid either. You know, they're they're still wild animals, mind you. They might see some joggers on there, and they don't care about them. But they see somebody step out of their car with a camo on, they, they know what's up. <laughs> yeah, they see you holding on to something. They ain't stupid. They learn oh, quick. I know. It's not dumb. <laughs> but. but, yeah, no, it's, I mean, with these suburban properties, like, like I said, you got to be careful when it comes to where you're shooting. And you really have to pick with your shots, too. Mm-hmm. So, me personally, I, I, I've passed on gear that have been at 20 yards and broadside just because I thought I could get a better shot, or I feel comfortable, eh, they're, they're still moving, they might step in front of something, or might turn their body, you know, I, I, I'll wait until I get like a slightly quarter away shot, or if they get a little closer. Yeah. You know? That's I, awesome, I though, just for, being in that target-rich of environment. Oh, I bet that's fun. <laughs> kind of just fun. having your pick. There, there is areas that uh, biologists have done counts on, where it's not all of them in Virginia by any means, but it's a few parts of it, like pockets of it, where they've estimated like 400 deer per square mile. Holy crap. Yeah, it's, and, and that's not just from the beginning. There's other metropolitan areas that are the same way. I bet the insurance companies up there are having a heyday with all that stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why a lot of people hate them. For, I mean, for one, they decimate landscapes. Cars are hitting them all the time. Mm. I mean, I, I, I was work today, and I must have seen 10 deer dead on the road. Jesus. They're everywhere. I mean, it's in some ways, a lot of people look at them as a nuisance. Yeah. Oh, that's what they sound like. <laughs> sound like a big old raccoon. <sighs> <laughs> in, in a good way. I mean, yeah. Oh, the best of ways. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, kind of get we'll swap into Colorado. You said you go there pretty often, or have been there. What's uh, when did y'all first go there? Uh, well, my father, he's the one who took me out my first time. He'd been going out for years way before I did. The first time I went out, I was 19. And we go for a week. Uh, but the way we do it, we go, it's a big group of six that goes out. We split up groups of three. And we take turns on who's the shooter. So get A spot, B spot, and a caller. Well, A, a shooter gets the first, uh, would be the evening hunt, and then a morning hunt. And then you swap, and I guess the, the B shooter move up to A spot, and the a guy moves back to taller, and you rotate that way through. Okay. And so you only get X amount of hunts as the A shooter throughout that week. And it's like truly like six days. I think six or seven days of hunting. Mm-hmm. So you only get X amount of uh, hunts to actually do. So your opportunities are a little more limited. But, I mean, you still have opportunities. Like if you're a caller and something comes running behind you, guess what? You become call- you become a shooter at that point. Yeah. Which happened to me. And are y'all doing... Are y'all doing guided or uh, public land? Uh, no, so it's self-guided. Awesome. What we do, and we, we, what we do is, um, they, years ago, they used to have a guide, and they said that was, that was terrible. I mean, that was years and years ago. But the way we do it, we have a uh, place we go. It's a ranch that we stay on, and we have access to, but most of the hunting we do is either on public and sometimes on the private land. But mm-hmm. most of it's on public. Yeah. And, and, and the reason why we stay there is because the the property itself, the private property, it's not one big block. It's kind of splotchy. So you got to, if somebody's coming on public land and they want to get, you know, to an area that we can get to and just walk a straight shot, they might have to walk a few miles around the private land just to get to that same area. And we can walk, take an hour to get there. Oh, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> That'll work. It, it helps a lot in that way. Yeah, and this past year, I mean, it was, it was a, I got back, I, I think I hunted like five years in a row, and then I had to get out of it because I had gotten into the, uh, our union out here for uh, steam fitters. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, I, I decided to do the damn program for five years, and uh, I had to put elk hunting on hold, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, you got to with something like that. <laughs> yeah, and the only problem with that with the, the place that we go, if you lose your spot, it's hard to get it back. Yeah. You know, and I, I got lucky the year that I finished the schooling. Uh, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go either bear hunting, something. I'm doing something. Uh, a DIY hunt somewhere. I'm, I'll go elk hunting. I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I was calling the DMR out Montana and Colorado and I tried to figure out areas. And my brother called me, my brother Billy. He called me and said, Hey, spots opened up. You want it? I said, Hell yeah. <laughs> Taking it. <laughs> That's divine intervention right there. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, it was awesome. And uh, the only problem with that particular year, which is two years ago now, we got snowed out. We got out there, it was 97 degrees. We were sweating our balls off. Oh. And uh, and they had forest fires in California and I think out in Boulder, Boulder Colorado. Mm-hmm. And we were hunting in we were hunting in Rifle, Colorado, which is uh, northwest, uh, I guess, of, of the center part of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... It was all hazy, man. We're like, man, what the hell is going on? And it turned out that was smoke and smog, and we had ash falling on top of us from the forest fires all around. Damn, that's crazy. That's We had a big swamp down here called the Okefenokee Catch Fire, and it did like that. And we were up in middle Georgia, and we were still getting smoke and ash from it. So and it was oh, all really? the way down here in Florida. It was nuts. I was like, down in Florida and Georgia. 
That sounds like South Georgia, except it just rains. It'll just be colder in hell and it'll <laughs> rain. <laughs> Man, I tell you, it was tough. I mean, that, that, two years ago, that, that year was tough. You know, we that was the first year I talked to some of the guys who'd uh, been going out there for 20, 30 years, and they said that was the worst year they've ever had. Actually, it was the first year ever that nobody got anything. Oh, man. Now, usually at least one person gets something. Yeah. But that was the first ever. And that was just because of the weather. Weather is a so crazy game. And obviously, the other thing is we're only there for X amount of time. We're not there for like how some people do it, which is 10, 12, 14 days plus. Mm-hmm. We're only there for like six, seven. Well, that's cool. Now, are y'all just like backpacking from the truck or how? what are y'all doing? Are you camping yeah. from the truck? Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll drive up. We'll, we'll pick an area usually. And um, all that is that we can park at legally mm-hmm. and which glass, what we'll do is which we'll glass around, we'll try to locate some. If we can locate one and get on it, we'll get on it. If we can't, we'll glass and look for them and we'll go from there. But there's only so, so much we can drive on. And a lot of the roads you can drive on around there, luckily we have access to the private roads, but then there's public roads that connect to it also. Uh-huh. There's a lot of driving we can do, so we don't have to walk <laughs> as far as we've done in the past. Hey, that, that um, helps out a lot. So that's how it is hunting down public land down here. You just got to be on the land to learn where all the trails are at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but if, if that's not saying we don't we don't do as much hiking. I mean, we did was a couple couple of days, like just mornings, it was like eight or nine miles in just in the morning. You know, and that's not and that's not flat walking either. Yeah, no, hey, whatever you got to do. But shoot, if you get close oh, as you yeah. can to the truck. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's not like suburban hunting where. Uh, my my big buck, the one I sent you a picture of, that one, I was 35 yards from my car. <laughs> oh, man, that's nice. <laughs> uh, <it was> nice. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, well, we got we had a really close encounter last year where we were only shit, 100 yards from the truck. Maybe, maybe 200 yards tops. And we were on top of the mountain that we hadn't dropped off in the canyon yet. Mm-hmm. And we... Uh, we were still on that. We were lo- we just located one. We got to the top. We just located one. We dropped off one side of the mountain and dragged on this one bench. And uh, the one bull, the, the wind was swirling, so we said, "No, screw that bull." We heard a few more on the other side, so we hiked our asses back up to the top again and walked across to the sage flat and uh, looked off into the canyon. And we can hear another bull or two bugling down the bottom. And it was weird the way the sound was bouncing off the mountain. You couldn't tell if they're on the other side, if they're or if they're on our side of the stage. Yeah. And our buddy, our buddy Blaze, he went from got the truck and moved it back off the road because we were on a public road at the time. And uh, by the time he got back, we're listening to this bull bugling. We're like, oh shit, it, it's on our side. We, we need to get ready because we're still calling back and forth to it, trying to keep see where exactly where he is. Uh-huh. So we got. And my brother was taller. I was the shooter. And uh, our buddy Blaze, he was a shooter. And I, by the time my brother let out one bugle, and this bull bugle, and he's screaming, run up the hill. And I look, I see antlers coming, and I get, I, I stand behind this big oak, oak brush uh, tree thing, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And 
this bull's coming. I had him at 40 yards and coming. And I didn't know where Blaze was. He's between me and this big bush that I, I was at. I didn't realize he's only like 15 yards from me. And I, I, I get the half draw on the bull at about 18 yards. And uh, and he, he busted me and busted out of there. And I ran down the other side of our buddy. And he took a shot and actually hit him in the shoulder. Are y'all rifle hunting hunt. or bow hunting? Bow hunting. No, oh. we, we, only do, we only do bow hunting out there. Sweet. I mean, the, the, what, the, the ranch owner, he has like a certain weeks where you can go and uh, bow hunt and then after that's rifle hunting. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if he has any black powder hunters that come out there. I know he has some bear hunters every now and then, but uh, we, when we go out there, we only bow hunt. That's you know, awesome. Last year, last year and this year, I, I took my long bow. I wasn't going to take compound anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's on my it, list. It, it, I want to kill him with a longbow or just tr- a traditional bow so bad. <laughs> oh, dude. It, I, and me too. Like, I hadn't killed one yet. Yeah. So I, I went to compound and then taking a break for five years or six years and coming back to it with a longbow, I really made it harder on myself. That's about but, how I um, was. That's about my hiatus, about how long I took. <laughs> you know, but you know, I, I was willing to take that risk for myself because I felt confident in what I could do and how far I could shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, come- yeah, I feel and, uh, dangerous out of 30 with mine, just from practicing. Oh, yeah, no, I was practicing with mine, and, you know, I I, I would take shot on an elk up to 40, but, I mean, I wouldn't want to. Yeah. The last resort, I would. You know? Yeah, for sure. But 30 yards, 30 yards and in, 35 yards and in, I was comfortable. I was, I was dead on for that. You know, obviously, I want them as close as possible. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the game. But, you know, for that one, uh, that one didn't end up as we wanted it, but, uh, so, I think it was, I trying to think what day of the week it was. That was closer to the end of the week, actually. Mm. But, I'm trying to think of the one I told you about. Oh, I busted my ass. That was, uh, <laughs> that was also around, I think it was the next day. Uh-huh. This was the next day. We, we, we were chasing the same group of elk. There's probably 15 animals, multiple bulls, well, 15 animals that we knew of. Multiple bulls. And um, we dropped off that same canyon when the one bull came up. And uh, we got in on them, and uh, we can hear there's three or four bulls giggling. We came around this one corner as we're up in the timbers now. Mm-hmm. Came around this one corner, and I was leading the way because I was a shooter. And I froze because there's the bull. He's standing up in this, up in this uh, bowl in this ravine, 65, 70 yards away, staring at us. Like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> He's like, gotcha. <laughs> and, uh, we, we, and obviously, we're, we're all walking real close to each other because we know there's animals nearby. Uh-huh. And, uh, I, I tell Billy, my brother Billy, and our buddy Blake, come back up, you know, once he, this bull takes his eyes off of us. Luckily, he started raking the tree. He's all right, you guys back out, Billy, go up the hill or whatever, and uh, I'll get set right here, I guess. And this bull's raking, he's raking the tree, and usually when they're doing that, they start closing their eyes, so you can a lot of times sneak up to him a little closer, he's inch mm-hmm. up to him. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I tried to do. I took two steps from my spot and I stepped on a root and slipped and busted my ass. Damn. And that bull looked up, looked right down, and had to freeze. You know? Yeah. And he started coming. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> Shoot from the I'm, ground. I'm, I'm, I'm laying on my back. <laughs> you know, I, I've shot my bow oh, laying on my belly, shooting horizontally. Yeah, I haven't practiced that yet. I thought about that today. I was like, I need to do that for turkey season, just in case. It's, it's tough. It's, it's a little weirder to do, but it's, it's doable. It's tough, though. 
it feels it feels really weird. I'll say that it looks but awkward as hell. <laughs> I'll say this: I did not practice shooting off my back. <laughs> yeah, probably need to do that too, John Wick style. <laughs> well, luckily, luckily the bull stopped and he got back to raking again. I was able to get up and get behind a big spruce tree. And the goddamn how we do this about flipping and falling again. And uh, so luckily, I was able to start sneaking up again. But by this time, he started going back and forth. He forced his way up the hill, though, and started working back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I could keep my eye on him the whole time. So I, every time he'd move up, I'd inch up a little more. And he ended up going over the bench. And uh, my brother ended up getting a shot at him. But he, he got deflected on a tree. Dang. And, uh, that sucks. Double took- yeah, it was... It was it was a fun, fun, really fun week. I mean, shit, the first night we got into like four different bowls. It was, I mean, that was, in my opinion, the best week I've ever had. And I didn't get a shot. It was the best week I've ever had out there. And that's sometimes, that's your best hunts, is just being, knowing you were out and you had the chance. That's just as good as taking it, in my opinion. I mean, yes, I want to put oh, meat in the truck, but, you know, just experiencing it. It was, I mean, it was awesome. We had a great time. Laughs our asses off the whole time. And we are just, I mean, it, it's, that's another thing is making sure you're hunting with a group group of people. Oh man, it's, it's like picking a wife. I mean, I was talking to some buddies about it the other day. Yeah, I was saying. I mean, if, if you're hunting some people that are miserable or they they want to cut you off the whole time and like try to take your position mm-hmm. and whatnot, and that, that that just makes for a terrible hunt, whether you're having a good week or not. Yeah, you don't want no whiny little bitch. Everybody's cold. Everybody's tired. You know what you got yeah, into. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. It's like we're I mean, we're all in it together. But, I mean that that's all. I mean I love like, like my brother Billy. Like we're real close, especially when it comes to hunting too. We 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 really see eye to eye when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except for the, the the one years. Oh shit! How many years ago was that? He, he killed his first bull. I, I called that one in for him, and uh, that one was a weird hunt. It was me, him, our, our buddy Mike, who lives up in Vermont, and we. We're driving around trying to locate bulls in the evening, and it's getting close to uh, and the sun. Got, we got about an hour or so light left, and we go to this one little uh, little basin, and we fire fire bugle off down there, and one pipes up up the hill. All right, well, screw it. Let's get our stuff, park the truck, and get up there. Get after him. So we start working our way up this bull. I mean, he is just going apeshit mm-hmm. up on the hill, and I'm calling her. And I'm, I'm actually half deaf in my left ear, so sounds when they bounce around, I can't hear exactly where they're coming from. So we're up in this one little bowl, and I think I hear one down below us. Damn! And I, I'm going down that way. Well, I'm trying to get that, trying to get us to move down that way, and my, finally we all get together, and me and my brother start. I mean, we're literally arguing on the side of the mountain while these bulls are googling. <laughs> or I mean, we're having arguments. Yeah. You can't hear shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I, got, I said, all right, you know where he is? I fired off Google right there. And sure, shit, that bull was right up the hill from us. I was like, oh, shit, okay, well, let's get ready. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, he's that way, let's go. Uh. <laughs> so a little while later, I mean, he, he ended up killing that bull. And it's a really, I'm poking young bull. It's an awesome bull. Oh, really? And, uh, That's awesome. Said, yeah, it was, uh, I don't remember exactly what it scored. Yeah, hey, um, if it's poking young, it's good enough. Oh, hell yeah, I mean. We're at, obviously, we're not after Token Young. We're after the first legal bull that comes by. <laughs> yes, I'd be fine with a spike. I don't care. I mean, or an elk, or a cow elk. Oh, I'd be fine with so, it. I don't care. So if a spike came by, we're about a shot on the elk, I'd take it. <laughs> Amen I mean, to that. I'm, now, let me ask you I'm this. Gonna, when y'all were calling, what 
calls do y'all tend to use more? I understand none of people use like a locator bugle and all that because as a southern boy, it sounds like there's a lot of parallels to turkey hunting. I know it ain't quite like that, but uh, yeah, do y'all yeah. tend to use like softer, like a lost calf or, elk, or just a cow mew or something uh, like I that? Think it really depends on the situation that you're in. You know, some guys, uh, like our buddy Blaze, he, he's he, he likes being aggressive and getting in there and. You know, we might sneak in there and try to get between a, a, a bull and his cows and just scream right in the face of the bugle. And a lot of times it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But, but with his experience, it's worked a lot well for him. Obviously, I mean, we're no expert callers by any means. Yeah. Um, now, I, I try to mix it up. Call-wise, I, I mean, I, I don't really know what they're called, to be honest. I try to mix up the sounds and make it sound like calves and, and a mature cow. Yeah. And make it sound like maybe, maybe a lost calf coming in. I, I try to do that. I have listened to some stuff and know what some of the calls are supposed to sound like and I try to mimic that. Mm-hmm. Um and, and it does seem to work. If animals do come by and we and we had we shit we almost had another one, uh another herb herbal this past year. And I was caller and he was coming in but our wind swirled and he took the cow and got out of there. Which I mean he was coming. And actually he was probably anywhere from thirty five yards from uh, my brother and, and uh a buddy and but the, he was between he was just Stuck buying alders and that kind of stuff, they can get yeah, shot at them. I could only imagine. But, uh, and it, that's the biggest thing is wind. But now that's know, the thing that they call like thermals and all that stuff too, because that comes into play, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it comes into play. Especially you got thermals that are when they're fighting predominant wind too, and you get a lot of swirling going on. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, with calling wise, it, it really depends on the person and how they want to do it. You know, I, I try to mix it up. I'll be aggressive. But then again, I'll, I'll mix it up too. Some people just like being aggressive, mm-hmm. and that's fine. If it works, it works. Yeah. You know, we have, I mean, we had a lot of opportunities this past year. You know, I mean, unfortunately, we didn't come out on top, but we had opportunities. Yeah. And opportunity, I mean, that, that's a big thing. At least just getting an opportunity. Yeah. You know, you know, I think our buddy, when he shot one, uh, it, it was a non lethal head. He might have got deflection on like a seed bush or whatever. I mean, it was just a non lethal head. We saw. You see, see how it was, and it was not her. <laughs> um, so, I mean, and like I said, it, it really depends. Mm, okay. It depends on it, it depends on the whole situation of where you're, like where you're set up at, yeah. how you're setting up on them, where you're dropping in from, or if you're coming up on them, mm-hmm. what the animals are doing themselves. You know, are, are they fired up? Are they not fired up? They're being quiet. In a way, you can kind of parallel that with turkey hunting. Yeah, but I I, that's me and myself. I've tried to take a more subtle presence, and then, like you say, sure. I guess per situation, if it calls for it, you can ramp down on it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd say the biggest difference, is, as obviously anybody would know, between turkey hunting and elk hunting is a turkey and turkey, and an elk is an 800 pound deer with a sword on pet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is true, too. Uh, <laughs> pretty much a horse just running through the woods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shit. And then, then you got, uh, you know, you're going to paint off from elk hunting. You can talk about the little miniature elk with the sick of deer. You know, yeah. that, that's still a big bugle, too. Yeah, that's what I was about and to you, say. Is that considered like a stag? Because I don't think it's. Yeah, yeah uh, the, the, uh, the males are, would be stags and the females would be called hinds. Okay. So, and, and they're, they're a cool little critter. And people don't realize how old they actually get. Yeah, I think on. Uh, one of the big wildlife refuges, which is Blackwater, which it is able to be hunted on mm-hmm. in Maryland. Uh, they have some animals out there that are tagged that are 20 plus years old. 
Yeah, they feel it a long time. And feel like another thing, the spike, you see a spike. A, a white tail spike might be uh, a yearling, typically. Mm-hmm. And a sick deer a spike, that, might, that thing might be three, four, or five years old. Jeez, now, yeah, do they have the mannerisms of a whitetail or an elk? I would say more of an elk because they do wallow, you know, they okay. do you know, and, and they, they, they do have some of the same mannerisms, but habitat-wise, it's, they're different. They, they love that nasty, marshy shit. Okay, so they're pretty much like a swamp donkey then. <laughs> uh, Southern I term. Really, you know. Yeah, they, they love that stuff. Like, now, they, they are sneaky. Are they native? To the no. Maryland, or they didn't they come from uh God like Alaska or somewhere Asia. like that? Uh, from Asia. Asia. Uh, okay. uh, it's, it's actually a Japanese elk. Oh, okay. So, I, I don't know the whole backstory. I mean, there's different stories. That some people had them as pets and they released them or escaped. I don't know what happened. Probably some rich guy had a herd so, of them. <laughs> I mean, it, honestly, the people love them down there. Nobody wants to get around. They're non-native species. But they're treated as a native species. I mean, they're part of the hunting, the hunting license regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have their own season. Their season's the same as the whitetails, but they have their own bag limits. It's not like a non-native species that nobody wants to want to eradicate. I mean, yeah, people love them. Well, they because look they're, and they're beautiful-looking mount too. Their antlers oh, are pretty. They're, they're different. Oh yeah, they're cool. That's honestly, we we cut our teeth on six years growing up, and I think uh, if I think about it. All my, me, myself, uh, all my brothers, my father, all of us, our first year were sick of deer. And as a matter of fact, I think most of my cousins their first year were sick of deer, too. Heck yeah. Um, now, size-wise, do, do they run about the same size as a whitetail? No, no, they're smaller. Smaller? A bit, okay. a big, yeah, a big mature stag, you're looking at maybe 120 pounds. Oh. And that's big. Okay. Uh, a hind, uh, a big mature hind. 60 pounds. Oh, that's that tender meat then. <laughs> that's not, oh, it's delicious. I'll trade three white tails for one of them. One little bastards. I'll bet. Throw that whole sucker on the grill if he's 60 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, they're, they're good. And they're fun, too. I mean, but you're also hunting, especially when hunting in September, and you got to deal with mosquitoes. <laughs> yes. That's like a state bird. Thank God for the thermal oh, cell. I know that. Because where I was oh, hunting my at, God, was, yeah. my last that's hunting so club, Man, you you couldn't hunt without it. It was unbearable. They licked the deed off of you. We we went we went hunting one time, and we took a a friend of our a friend of my brother's, and his was his first time ever sick of deer hunting. And we're driving down to we're at this time we were hunting public land. Just before we had personal property, we mainly backtrack. We used that personal property. We lost the property, and we started hunting public. And uh-huh. now we have personal property again. Yeah, that's um, about how we are. I, it comes and goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I think this this one's this one's here to stay this time though. Good deal. Um, <laughs> but the, the public the public land we went to uh, where we're going back, we're hiking back a mile, mile and a half. Back in this nasty, swampy stuff where you got our chest waiter and hip boots going all the way back. And that is not fun walking. No. That was early early like mid to early September, so obviously the mosquitoes are absolutely insane as you know do y'all got like moccasins and stuff up there or does it get too cold for them uh there, there are some I, I don't know what kind of snakes there is some they, they, might, they might be moccasins for all i know i don't mm-hmm. know we don't i don't like that so. I, so I just didn't know um, that far up if y'all had snakes just for i know y'all probably do oh, but or copperheads up our way oh um, yeah actually, that's just as bad never mind 
Yeah, over the, the Blue Ridge Mountains, which is near May, that's you get some. You, you, there are some Diamondbacks. Oh yeah, that's. You don't see them as much. They do have them. Yeah, we my oh. dad's family is up from North Georgia and around in there, and we go camping on the Blue Ridge Mountains. Me and my brother, we'll go backpacking. And one of the last oh. trips we went on was a three-day backpacking trip, and we averaged about eight to fifteen copperheads a day next to the creek. <laughs> <laughs> like we were in hammocks, we had our backpacks hanging from the tree. There wasn't. We just like we're just gonna hang here because no one needs to get bit. <laughs> they were everywhere. Copperhead ever in my life. Those in my parents' front yard. They're pretty hey, snake. Probably because they're blending in. And I just can't see them. I'm probably stepping over them for all I know. Yeah. Now, are y'all hunting them sick of deer? So y'all are just kind of trudging through swamps, kind of push them like a deer drive, or are y'all getting in stands for them? Oh, no, we'll get stands. Um, now, when we did public land, that we, I mean, obviously, you got to do scouting in public land. Right? The same thing on private land, obviously. You still got to uh, scout and know your areas. Yeah. But public yeah. land, you know. What we do is, especially the farther you got in the marsh, the less trees there are. The, the beetles that get out there and kill, they kill the trees. Mm-hmm. So, find one that's alive, a tree, you get into it. Uh, I think I, I shot a I shot a hind one time. I was in a tree with my tree down, like I put my hand around, and um, yeah, that was the only tree in the area that was alive. Damn. Everything else was dead. I want to try to climb that thing and fall in the marsh. I've had too many spills in that marsh. It's not fun. Filling your boots up. Yeah, that sucks. That makes a long walk back oh, to the truck. God. Oh, yeah. Especially being about a mile from the back. Oh, man, that sucks. Filling your hip boots up and then that time I was wearing chest waders. It sucked even worse. <laughs> Hard that. But, no, no, we'll, we'll get in the stands because the marsh out there, the grass is, now, there are areas that grass are pretty short, they're like ankle high. Mm-hmm. But then you get the marsh grasses, which are like waist high, and the sick of the earth, they can hide in that. You look for their antlers, typically you don't do that. But when they get into the phragmites, which are about, I don't know, 12, 15 feet tall, they disappear. Oh, I bet them you know suckers I mean? can disappear quick. I bet just oh, yeah, I mean, a little that's, ghost. That's, hence, hence their nickname, the marsh ghost. <laughs> oh, really? That's um, cool. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's the thing. That's their nickname. It's called the marsh ghost. That's um, neat. Now, do y'all have a problem with CWD up there, or has it shown its face? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's CWD up this way in Maryland. But I think sick of your, I don't think sick of your get it at all. I think they're immune to it. Really? That's interesting. I, I think so. I, I'm not 100% sure, but that's a rumor that I've heard. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, no, white, uh, white tails, yeah, some of the areas around here, they got hit pretty hard, especially in Maryland. Like, like my old man's property, he got... That got hit pretty hard with uh, CWD or blue tone, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, That's, it, it had, I'm sure it's down here, and I'm starting to see a lot more ads from our DNR and stuff, but God almighty, I hope mm-hmm. it don't hit the deer herd down here. Yeah, I mean, we, it's, they've found it in areas. I mean, it's not, it's not like big, but they've found some deer that have had it, you know, or are dying from it. Like just small areas around our area, but you don't see it as much yet. Thank God. Yeah. I, I really hope they really hope it doesn't hit hard on over here because it's gonna really hinder them deer hunting, especially this mega population of deer we got up here. <laughs> yeah, for real. Sounds like y'all got quite a bit, which we do down here. And this, like I say, in Georgia, we can kill ten does and you can get two bucks. And this was the first year yeah. they've extended the archery, or late archery season, until January thirty first. So I'm gonna try and go squeeze in the last day of uh, hunting over another on a WMA down here, about two hours away. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we uh, with the, the urban hunting, the regular season ended. Uh, yeah, I think it was the end of December. I think it was. 
Well, that maybe the first week in the January. I, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, just because I do more urban hunting, urban hunting anyways. The urban season for us goes until I think it's the end of April. Oh, okay. And uh, when that ends, uh, depending on the property owners, they can apply for a damage permit for their properties. And that, if you are able to get one of those, the damage permit that goes all the way until the season starts back up again in September. Oh, so heck maybe, yeah! Oh, that's cool. So I take a little break though. I mean, I, I, if I if I can get the permit, sometimes I take a break in the in the really hot months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't hunt as much. That is a pain in the butt. You shoot a deer in the middle of summer, and you gotta get the thing on ice fast. Yes, that's one thing in South Georgia. We don't, we're like, which even this year, I would say up till Thanksgiving, we were having good cold weather because I was working at a deer processor in the evening too, just for a little side hustle. And uh, as soon as like a light switch, Thanksgiving happened, it got 82 and up and it stayed there just until the last weekend of rifle season, which was like January 9th. We finally hit 30 degrees. For you guys too, that, that's that's pretty humid down there too, right? Oh my God, that's what one thing. It's the humidity that's a bitch. <laughs> I can handle the heat, but the humidity just makes it that much worse. Oh uh, yeah, it's a soupy at that point. It is, especially <laughs> if you're up a tree with all your shit on, trying to in the dark, sweating on your brow, climbing up a tree in the climber. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's right these these summer hunts, we get the damage from it. Man, you don't talk about how, it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> How you going? You want to go in there in t-shirt shorts? You're still gonna sweat your balls off. That's what we would do. We would wear a t-shirt shorts under our bug suits with our uh, harnesses on, and the whole time you're chanting, "I love deer hunting. I love deer hunting." As you're going up the tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh mercy! Yeah, kind of the same way with ticket deer hunting too. When you go out there from the early September hunt, mosquitoes eating you alive, and it's like same thing. It's humid, hot, charging mm-hmm. through those pumps. <laughs> but I wouldn't want to have it any other way, though. That's just because there's oh, not many people that do it nowadays, especially nowadays. Oh, yeah. And honestly, like, like, and this is trying to go back on the ticket there. I think we got a little track on that one. Just like, a little bit, way. but <laughs> that's podcasting. But, um, but with, uh, with that, you know, to me, it doesn't matter how bad that situation is for secondary hunting. Those, those little animals are so cool and hard to hunt that I don't know why. For me, that's my favorite animal to hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, for one, they're bugling, and that bugle that they have is a really eerie sounding. YouTube, it, you can you'll hear it. It's it's very eerie sounding. I didn't know that bugle. I'll definitely Google that and listen to it. Oh, uh, it, it almost sounds like a woman screaming in the distance, like a, like screaming in pain. Uh, that sounds like a, a what we call a wampus kitty or a panther. <laughs> I don't I don't know, <laughs> like a panther or something like that on the woods. Well, that's what I've um, coon hunted at night before down here. And if it sounds like a woman's like getting murdered, it's usually a panther or a bobcat, uh, but you, most of the time it's a I've panther. Heard bob, I've heard bobcat, and, and that, that's, a, that's an awful sound itself. Yeah, a pucker but, factor for sure. <laughs> yeah, thick and are more, it's more of an eerie kind of sound to it. It's not, I mean, unless you're real close to it and you don't know it and then they just rip, ripping off your head. That, that'll make you jump. Well, like an American werewolf uh, in London, how top eerie or? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's, it's, it's more of a whistle. Oh, okay. It's, like a weird, it's hard to describe. Oh, I'll definitely uh, check it out. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely check it out. They're, they're, they're cool. And another thing about them is like, why the fuck the marsh goes? How sneaky they are. And mm-hmm. Some people, I mean, some people probably already the fact that, that, oh no, they charge the mud. And in my experience, if you're in a high pressure area, 
You don't listen for their footfalls in the mud. You listen for the water dripping off their feet. That's how quiet they are. I bet. Just look for the ripples moving through the water. Look for that. If you can see that, I mean, a lot of times you got all that marsh grass that's covering that up. Yeah, that's true, too. But, I mean, they're they're curious animals. You can call them in. And as a matter of fact, my my big stag I shot, I I actually shot at him. That was a black powder. I shot at him and missed. (laughs) And then pulled my elk balls out because I heard another stag jiggling. And I started calling him down, and this one came back, and I ended up shooting him. Oh, cool. But, uh... I mean, I, I'm not shooting. He's got them walk up to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, they're curious. If they hear splashing, they kind of they want to know what it is. Oh, is that my buddy Frank over there? Let's go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're talking uh, about muzzleloader. Have... What kind are you using? Because I, I was looking on your Instagram. Is it the old, like, cat flintlock style? Or is it the cap and ball? Uh, uh, I wasn't that. That was, uh, that was my grandfather's. I'm terrible at that thing. Um, I, I really got to practice that point a lot. No, that was like a CPA, uh, um, uh, I don't even what to call it. Some CBA muzzleloader my old man has. Oh, cool. so I haven't shot that in years. No, I still need. Uh, do you muzzleloader uh, or do y'all muzzleloader hunt a lot up there? Um, when when that season's in, yeah, we'll hunt. I mean, I'm I'm a hunter. I mean, most of what I do is bow hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll do anything if that's, it's yeah. in season. That's how we are. But, I mean, I, I haven't. I haven't Muzzler, actually, muzzler hunted in. It's been a while. Yeah. As a matter of fact, my my stag that I had, that was years ago, and I shot him. That's the last animal I shot him, black powder. My dad and got I into muzzleloader hunting, and he likes it. He's because just because getting the woods oh, right before rifle season. Shit, my, my brother uh, Billy, when I was talking about, he went down to Florida. Him, my father, my other brother Bobby, and my nephew, they all went down to Florida. Went on a uh, Osceola turkey hunt. Oh heck yeah. And my brother, he had a custom-made flintlock, uh, I think the 36 caliber flintlock made for squirrels originally, but he ended up shooting a turkey with that thing, and he shot a, a wild boar with it. Huh. That's pretty neat. That's, oh, yeah. We're not that far from Florida. Like I said, I'm about a five-minute ride, but we got a place in St. Mark's, which is about an hour and a half, 30 minutes out of Tallahassee, and I'm wanting, I'm planning okay. here. I'd like to plan a hunt, because you can go upriver and go hunt this WMA. My, a couple of my buddies yeah. doing it. It looks pretty neat, so I think I'm going to check it out with them next year. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I might be looking into trying to do, like, a hog gun here at some point, you know. Hey, let me know, man. Yeah. I can point you in the right direction down here in Georgia. I know a few good WMAs. <laughs> I'll do whatever it is. I don't care what it is. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few and around I say, here. I say, if you ever come up and try to take it around, we'll take it. Hey, that's one thing I'm hoping with this podcast, just later on down the road, you never know what opportunities being able to go, just being pointed in the right direction and saying where to start for a good hunting spot, you know what I mean? With oh, just knowing absolutely. different people. If, if you want to watch any videos too on uh, for sick deer hunting, which mind you, <laughs> this this isn't really painting a picture on how sick deer always is, but uh, tethered uh, tree saddles they, they they actually came in our on our property that we have, and uh, like my brother, my father were there. They took some of the tethered guys, and um, and one of the guys in the tethered group ended up shooting a absolutely gigantic stag. They got it on video. It's on YouTube. Oh, sweet. And, uh, and that, that that one actually might be potentially the new state record stag. Yeah, what did he shoot with a bow or rifle? With, with a bow. That was all bow hunting. That was, uh, I want to say, early October. I mean, wow. Was, I mean, that was prime time in the rut, too. They were, I mean, going nuts. Stags ever running around everywhere. Obviously, I mean, white the hunting, too. They, they're running. Uh, they're running. They're running around everywhere. 
Dang. They're running, they're running everywhere. Now, but what's considered a big stag score, like scoring wise? Honestly, I don't know what the score is. Okay. Uh, to be honest, uh, uh, yeah. they did that long. I, I couldn't make it down to that hunt. I wish I did. I had stuff going on down here. Um, but it, it pretty much a lot of times you'll find a, a six point stag that they'll, they'll shoot it because six points are. You don't see too many six points. I mean, they're around, obviously. Mm-hmm. But usually, you go, by, you go by the length of their main beams or their antlers. If the main beams are longer than the stag's head, then you got a really nice stag right there. Oh, okay. If they're a little shorter than their, than their head, you know, that's a younger stag, typically will pass on that, whether it's a six point or not. Now, sometimes there are rare occasions where people find eight point, eight point stag. My godfather shot a seven pointer. Um, Actually, my god brother had a nine-pointer on camera at one point. Wow. Long time. And it's, I mean, it's super, super rare. I bet that sucker but, was uh, old then. Oh, yeah. Typically, well, typically, we got, we got one stag on camera. He's, I think he's just a four-pointer, but he's all crooked-ass antlers and everything. He's, he's <laughs> Seen cool better days. Uh, oh, yeah. He, he's old. He, I mean, he's definitely downhill right now, but we're trying, trying to get him in daylight so he can pop his ass. I heard that. But, That's um, a whole other factor in itself, too. That's what uh oh, yeah, what what kind of tricks do y'all try to do to pull deer out during the day? For sick of deer, um, those uh, there there's a bunch of tricks you can try actually. Uh, if you're in the marsh, well, one thing I used to do is I used to carry this big heavy duty not big it was a heavy duty mesh bag and I put rocks and sticks and shit in there and I go go up the tree and I'd be tossing out out in the marsh and making a splash and deer come by and investigate see what it is. Oh, okay. Um, I know some uh, take take a stick or like a, a small plank and they tie it to their pool string. Uh, it would take uh, a sinker and dip it in the water every now and then. Yeah. I, 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 I really want to do a spot stalk from stick deer just because of how curious they are, especially in the marsh. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was something one time with my god brother and I, uh, I climbed down. I didn't see anything all day. I got down and I was packing my, my sticks up and I was making some noise. I heard splashing. I'm like, oh, here, here comes Mark. He, he's on the way over here. And then I heard splashing getting faster and faster and faster. I'm like, okay, he's not running so marsh now. That's not him. Uh, and by the time I looked up, there's a button buck standing feet away from me, looking around and saying, hey, where, where you at? Yeet. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, shot a, I shot a hind one time. I was dragging her out and I had deer following me trying to figure out what this noise was and obviously when they see me they're like oh Jesus Christ that's not a deer yeah <laughs> too late back it up back it up well, that's I know well I was just curious because I know for whitetail and I've used this technique before if I find a scrape or anything like that I'll pee in it and usually that next morning he's coming through to check I've heard, it I've heard people doing I haven't tried that myself I have heard people doing that it works um, I've I, killed two deer doing well, that really <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm definitely gonna try that. I definitely, uh, I'll take a stick and so, scratch some fresh dirt and take a whiz, and it, it seems to work. Oh, well, I'll definitely give that a try then. Like Virginia here, we can't, we, we're not allowed to use any uh, natural scents or bait at all. Oh, really? Legal. Yeah, because of the TWD. They, yeah, they I can see they that. Try to stop this but we can use synthetics, which I, I don't know how good synthetics actually are. What is that, like the powders um, or those blocks you can put out or something? Is that like those deer cane liquid or powders kind of stuff you're talking about? Yeah, they have the synthetic stuff. It's just not natural coming from obviously coming from deer. I don't even know what it's made of, but yeah. Uh, 
not like Maryland. Maryland, you can bait as much as you want. If you want to put a 10-foot wall of corn up, you can do it. That's how it is in Georgia. Um, now it used to be not lie, but even though everybody did it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's how, that's how sick of your hunting is down there. And boy, kill too, not just sick of you, everybody and their brother has deer feeders up everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that that puts a lot of pressure and it makes it tougher on everybody, especially public land hunters. Yes, you, know, you got private all around, they got feeders all around. Guess where the deer are gonna be? Yep, and that's, you know, that's I ran into that on one of, on a piece of property I was on about two or three years ago. There was this rich guy that's prominent in the area. He had about 200 acres, and he had 24, like, Texas Sendero feeders. Because the only way I saw him because my buddy, he flew his drone, and we were just flying around the property and looking and doing a little e-scouting. But uh, okay. and I heard the backstory, and he keeps them full, and he don't even deer hunt. He just likes seeing the deer. So the, it literally had all the deer on that property. I never saw anything. I ended up getting off that club after two years of it. only shot one the whole time. But yeah, have, it, like you said, the competition—you got to do it though. Oh, hundred percent. And obviously, that like, that not on the eastern shore of Maryland over there. That's that's where the sick of deer are. Over there, you got all the waterfowl hunters too. And every, when you drive through there, every single field you see, there is a goose blind in it. Every single one of them. Yeah. And a lot of times they have big spread out, so you got large competition out there for waterfowl. Mm-hmm. And that. that we grew up water before we got deer hunting. We did a lot of waterfowl hunting. Too. That was me. I, I kind of cut my teeth hunting, hunting wood ducks and river sloughs. Oh, uh, yeah. It was goose hunting for us. And I'm a horrible shot. I, mean, I, I can give a damn good warning shot at a goose, but. Um, it just ain't enough meat was, yield for me to do all that. To be that cold and deal with it, just, I'd rather be big game hunting. <laughs> That's just me. I mean, the one thing I would give with that, though, is you can, you can be a little louder and you can. Oh, hang out yeah, the camaraderie is a lot more fun. I will say that. Whitetail hunting, sometimes yeah. it's punishment. Having to sit out there and be quiet, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Sometimes I hear listen to Karen in their backyard yelling at me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, the, my first suburban deer that I shot was a, I mean, this is literally a strip of wood that is, uh, I think it was, I measure it was 30 yards wide. It came off this main patch of woods that was, I don't know how many acres that set of woods was, but I had a strip that I was hunting at 30 yards wide. I just sat right in the middle of it. And, um, and right in the middle was the property line. So I could shoot anywhere from there, but off property, the property directly in was the way I was facing actually. Cause I'm, I'm right-handed. I was shooting at the deer that were coming from the main road. Um, I was just staying at the guy's house and I see his deer target in the backyard. He did not want me there. He knew I was there. So he'd come out there talking on his phone all loud, you know, making a bunch of noise, scaring the away as much as he could. And there I was, I'll, I'll move down, you know, house, house or two down because I, I have a cluster of properties right there. Uh-huh. And I found another spot where the deer always converts into one little spot. And uh, I climbed up the tree, actually dropped my bow out of the tree. Thank God the sight was so long. Oh, God. And uh, <laughs> he, he, this guy came out, he saw I was there. He saw my car when I pulled up. And uh, so I watched him. He got he walked down his front yard, walked up the street to these landscapers. I watched him hand him cash, and they came down and started blowing leaves down his front yard, from his front yard to the backyard towards me. Well, that pushed the deer right past me. I shot the deer. <laughs> I mean, came, pretty much came from his backyard. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, that was cool. Now, sometimes I, we get those. I go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> sometimes we get those, and other times that doesn't quite work out in our favor oh i bet now kind of going back to colorado i was going to ask you about clothing wise what did y'all what did you wear or for going 
you know, for being out there, you need to be prepared for rain, wind, whatever. What do you wear out uh, there? For, I mean, other people are going to be different. What, what we do, um, since I, I think we're like, the way we have our setup, we're pretty fairly close to a truck, you know, and then we have actually have a camp we can go to. Uh-huh. Now, like, we're actually camping out. Yeah. Um, what we did clothing wise, obviously, base layers, good merino wool base layers, which is a need. Um, good socks, merino wool, or uh, I used polyester socks this year, a thick polyester socks, and they were awesome. Mm-hmm. Good hiking boots. Yeah. Um, I, I typically have a little lighter weight hiking boots. Um, rainwear, I mean, unless it's going to be raining that day, I don't, I don't take anything with me. Honestly, I, I have a, a little small umbrella, a little Mary Poppins umbrella I keep in my bag, and I just use that. Okay. Um, other than that, now, I keep pretty basic. No, I, hey, that's fine with I, it. That's about how we are, man. Keep yeah, it simple. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I mean, base layers are, are key, I think. Um, color, camo patterns, does not matter. I, I wore solid pants and plaid shirts. Actually, that's all I've worn all season this year. That's all I wear. And, I don't get into the camouflage bag. I mean, I'll, I will wear it. Like, even my sponsor, Nomad, they have good camouflage. But for the most part, yeah. it's just solid colors for me. I feel like if you hold still and just be quiet, they'll come around. Absolutely. It's not bashing in the camo. Camo, yeah, you're just breaking your pattern up. So it works. Yeah. It absolutely works. But it, to me, it's all the material that you're using. It's not necessarily what it looks like. Yes, that too, if it's quiet material as well. Yeah, so I, I I actually wore, like I said, with the merino wool stuff, I had basic flannel, like wool flannels is what I wore, and that was plenty fun for me. I mean, mm-hmm. we had a couple mornings where it got a little chilly, and I just threw one more layer on, I was fine. It's not like I was too puffy or anything. I yeah. was good to go. Yeah, I, love, I got a merino wool fleece, and I love mine. It does real good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so with, with hiking out there, I mean, you don't really need to pack a ton of clothes on, unless it's going to be really, really cold, you can have a couple jackets with you and that kind of stuff. I mean, this, this was our experience. Mm-hmm. Um, as you're moving, you're going to be hot. You're going to get hot real fast. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, you're going up and down, up and down. I mean, we made them a big couple times of uh, resin driving the truck down to where the animal is across from us, across the canyon. We made the mistake of just jumping ridge to ridge to ridge and did like a 15-mile hike in the morning and then try to hike our ass back to the truck without dying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean it's pretty much I mean you don't I, I my first year going out there well, I made a huge mistake I mean I filled my backpack up with all kinds of, my backpack probably like 40 pounds yeah that that's why I used to be an yeah. over prepper myself but now I've kind oh, of yeah. really streamlined my gear and what I need oh yeah I'm super minimalist I, I as, as little as I can put my backpack as I, that's what I'm putting in there I mean bare essentials you know made any fire starting stuff Yes. Like quick start. That's about it. No. Yeah, I'll carry like a Sawyer water filter. I don't know if you're familiar with those. It's, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. They are badass. They're like a hundred thousand gallons, and I got magnesium rod. Like you say, just the main thing <laughs> to survive. Yeah, just keep it basic. Because I mean, charging around those those hills with too much shit sucks. Yeah, I mean, well. you're, you're asking for blisters and sore legs and being dead at the end of the day. Yeah, you could ruin your hunt for sure if you're going to be down for two or three days because you can't walk. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Just get I'm blasted. One, one, of the years, one of the years, I, I got brand new boots and I made the mistake of not breaking them in, and I had blisters. And I didn't talk to anybody. And I, uh, at the end of the hunt, my, my heels, my boots were turning brown because of the blood. I, didn't, I still didn't tell anybody. 
Damn. Like when I got, my feet were just totally screwed. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lieutenant Dan said, "Take care of your feet." <laughs> oh, that's that's, uh, that's a big thing. Take care of your feet and make, making sure, like health wise, obviously that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, but your cardio wise in Colorado, I don't care how good shape you're in. You're going to go to the east going out there. You're going to be sucking when the first couple of days. Yes, that's another I, thing I heard to get acclimated. Drink a little. They said drink water to your feet about every five minutes, and they said oh, that'll yeah. help you get acclimated to the altitude. Yeah, you definitely. I mean, definitely drink a lot of water. Um, I mean, shit. I, mean, I used, used to be a gym rat, now I'm getting fat. But um, uh, I used to be a gym rat. So I'm kind of in between. Now. I go through my phases. This past December month, I completely, my give a damn was busted. But I'm getting back on the train now, so. That, that's kind of how I am when I get to Germany with my wife. I, uh, I, uh, I eat too much when I got there. Shit, I was up there for two weeks one time and put on 12 pounds. <laughs> oh, I bet that's a lot of heavy food out there, though. <laughs> oh my God. A lot of thick beer and gravy and sausages and stuff like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. Shoot, I was stuffing my gob the whole time. I mean, shit, I was like, well, one year I was out there, I was, uh, I was at the grill. I was grilling brats for everybody. We were having a get-together on one Sunday. I'm grilling brats for everybody, and I'm breaking the brats at the grill purpose so I can eat them right there. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. That's part of it. <laughs> I kind of ate it. <laughs> Heck yeah! Now, tags but, wise, how did y'all go about getting y'all's tags? Did y'all buy them over the counter for Colorado? Uh, the, the zone we're in Colorado is over the, still over the counter. Um, now they did change a lot of that. There, there used to be more over the counter zones or areas, uh, but it's that's reducing now. I, I don't know what's going to be next year or years after that. I mean, it, it seems to me that it's dropping i think the zone we're in i think has one of the largest populations out mm-hmm. i'm not worried about the area um but yeah it's still over the counter and it's not cheap okay you know i think uh, like a tag this year was like 700 bucks over the counter that's, that's not bad i mean <laughs> it's better that's than a thousand dollars but you're still that's that's a lot that's a big yeah. big bowl of tag soup uh-huh. to eat i'll say this my first time going out when i was 19 that was actually that was a while ago. That was uh, oh shit, five hundred bucks done. Yeah, and it's about two hundred bucks and oh shit, 12, 13, 13 years now. Now is that just a cow tag or is that just a general take what you want tag? That's a uh, either sex tag. Okay. Um, with the area we're in, I I want to say the bull has to have at least three points on one side or a cow. Um, but if we're, when we're hunting on the, uh, the, the private property that we have access to, they want four points on one side or better. Yeah. That's understandable. Well, which is fine. I mean, honestly, I really haven't seen too many bulls that have just three points on one side. Yeah. And most of them are four points or better anyways. Mm-hmm. And you know, but I mean, like I said, first legal thing comes by, I don't care if the points are one inch each on one side. <laughs> Amen to that, man. Well, uh, well, dude, we're getting on about a minute 20 or an hour 20 here. It's about like a minute. But I want to thank you. And if you want to plug yourself, people can find you. Look at your Instagram and stuff like that. And I appreciate you uh, coming well, on. Yeah, hey, man. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, I hope I didn't sound like too much like a bumbling buffoon. Nah, dude. Um, That's a good conversation. I enjoyed it. <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, now, my uh, 
Dave Phillips underscore outdoors. I'll tag yeah, you in man. the post too after all this for Instagram and Facebook. Say, say again. I said I'll tag you in the post that I make later on after uh, to Facebook oh, yeah, and Instagram sure. as well too. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to do it again. For uh, sure. You can talk about Germany when I go out there and miss all the targets that's my dad he was actually stationed in frankfurt germany for a while he was in the air force oh really he's got quite a few uh, stories out there he's told me <laughs> oh yeah that, that's a cool area it's a really cool area so i i, I highly suggest people go out and check out germany obviously drink a lot of beer but well that's what he said him and his buddies would do that and he said it involved the autobahn a little bit too oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said they get pretty wild but uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but man, I want to thank you again for coming on. And uh, like I said, any doors open anytime. And heck, if you want to invite anybody on, we'll have a conversation again. I tell you what, um, uh, I'll shoot you a text on 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 uh, some someone you can check out. And it's actually my brother Billy. He's he's uh he does falconry, so that's something you might want to look into for your podcast. And it's all outdoors. I think I'm already following him. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah Check him out. He, he's always got stories up of his, uh, his Jack Russell and his, his red tail and their murdering shit outside. So. Yep, I'm following him. I was actually going to message him today. I didn't know that was your brother. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That is awesome. <laughs> Small world then. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, heck yeah, man. Well, you have a good rest of your evening. And like I say, we'll be in touch. Absolutely, man. You do the same. All right, man. You have a good one. All right. Have a good one. You too. Well, that was a fun episode, everybody. I hope y'all enjoy it. Thank y'all for listening and tuning in and supporting the podcast. It truly means a lot. Y'all have a good rest of y'all's evening.